Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. All right, and we have Brandon Gaffney of Bernhardt Tools, Bernhardt Woodworking, Bernhardt.com. <laughs> uh, with us uh we're gonna go through the five questions uh jump right in here brendan uh how did you get into woodworking yeah so uh i grew up uh woodworking actually so my father was a cabinet maker um he did it professionally when he was a younger man so when he was out of college you know he went and worked he actually worked in a marionette shop as well as wow. doing shop displays um but also uh spent where some time. was that uh staten island staten island new york um, a marionette so he, maker. He, well, a marionette, uh, sure. but not not for uh, puppetry, but for store displays. So they were making puppets and armatures and uh, little landscapes and things like that for things like the fifth, you know, Fifth Avenue storefronts. And that's Sean, as as an Ohioan, as a, an Ohioan, you <laughs> may Ohioan. not realize this, but yeah. Ohioan, Staten Island is the mecca of marionette work in the Northeast. <laughs> As far of as course. I'm concerned, it's the, of the mecca in the world. I have no idea. Like that is yeah. such a unique thing. That's so. Well, cool. it's kind of like it's kind of like being the only. You know, it's like every tool I pick up is a rule maker's blank. It's because because <laughs> I'm the only rule maker. So I have a rule maker's case and rule maker's dividers and. You had those cool rule maker socks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, those, yeah. yeah. That's how I bring around my sector. Actually, is in a rule maker sock. So, um, but anyway, so, so I, I got started, I got started, uh, woodworking with my dad, um, grew up, you know, I have actually the first thing I ever made, which is a rosewood, uh, it's a little triangle of rosewood, um, with a nickel epoxied into it. Um, so, but, but so, so I started, I started doing that stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, it was always kind of something I, I knew I could do. I did little bits of carpentry. Um, little bits of woodworking. And when I, uh, went to college, it was something, you know, one of the first things I did is figure out a place where I could make stuff. Um, but, uh, as I sort of went on in my studies, I was studying music, uh, and specifically sort of designing and building musical instruments. Um, mm -hmm. it, uh, I wanted, I realized that wood was more and more really the medium I wanted to work in doing that stuff. Uh, so I, I did some luthery. And did some, uh, you know, basic sort of wood work, um, but wasn't doing really furniture per se. Um, and at the end of my sort of academic career where I was studying and designing musical instruments, um, I realized that I really needed to or wanted to get better uh, in this sort of medium that I that I grew up with, which was which was wood. So I went to I was lucky enough to be in California and. Uh, went to the College of the Redwoods up there in Fort Bragg, California, in Northern California. Um, and it was sort of there that the f really sort of the furniture end. And I'd, I'd made, you know, little bits of furniture and helped my dad make some furniture. But that was really where the sort of passion for furniture making in particular um, was sort of ignited for me. Um, and yeah, and, and, and you know, that's that's basically what got me started was was really just growing up with it. Um, that's awesome and college of the redwoods of course which and is, yeah. I, I hear that helps yeah it helps it helps to spend 1800 hours in nine months you know seven seven days a week uh uh you know 10 hours a day is uh, that all it is a nine-month course yeah it's a nine-month course yeah, and it can be so you can you can do two years 
um, you, you reapply. So uh, every year there's uh, something like 20 first years and something like five second years. Um, so if you're lucky enough to have enough savings, you can you can continue on and do another nine months, or if you get a good enough job in the summer between sessions. But unfortunately, it, I was I was not so lucky to 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 be able to afford to do another nine months. Is it a very niche? Well, I know it's a niche program, but is it so niche, niche. a program that if you're a, a reasonably good woodworker and you can manage to to set up to go, you can go? Or with that small number of students, does that make it? you know, really exclusive, even as small as the niche that serves is? Um, I, I mean, certainly they've never had an empty bench, you know, they get more applicants than they admit. Um, but that said that you'd have to ask them what their admission style is, but it's certainly not looking at who the best woodworkers are and the applicants and admitting them. Um, they tend to look a lot at people's background outside of woodworking, why specifically they want to come to school. So, you know, a really good furniture maker probably doesn't have that great a shot at getting into College of Redwoods, not because they're worse or better than anyone, but really because mm-hmm. they they may not be the right person to go to school to make furniture. You know, you start at square one there, and in about six weeks, you know, you, you build a plane, you square a board, you cut some dovetails, you cut a mortise and tenon, and then you get off on your projects. But really, everyone starts at square one. So we had people who came in that had been making furniture for years, uh, oftentimes in a more sort of production or a cabinet shop sort of setting. Um, and we had mm-hmm. people who had taken one or two evening classes in woodworking and were just really excited and passionate about about doing it. Um, and then you have people somewhere in the middle, like myself, who you know grew up with it and knew it was a thing that they could do and wanted to do, but wanted to do it more and, and more sort of professionally. Um, so it's, it, you, they get people from all, all kinds of backgrounds. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that, that'll lead us into question two, which is what is your favorite tool? Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's As a, a hard toolmaker. To the, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a hard, it's sort of a hard, it's like, which one of, you know, which is your favorite kid? Um, but of course, I'm not going to choose my own tool. No, uh, I mean a hand plane, right? I mean a hand plane's got to be it. Um, uh, I I just two days ago finished making another sort of kind of style smoother, um, and that's really my you know my absolute favorite tool to to be able to pick up in the shop is a a wooden hand plane, um, and I and I, my bias is towards the the kind of style smoother, that sort of pseudo Japanese pseudo Western. Uh, style smoother is so sweet so much fun to use uh and a lot of fun to make too uh and and relatively easy to make i mean i th- I think most people could with a pretty simple shop setup you know get get into plane making uh and and make some really really gorgeous tools so it's got to be got to be the hand plane for me i saw that one you made it's got that extra bit of a kind of a triangle finishing you know the blade support yeah. above yeah, the body I, Yep, it, palm ramp, something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because so, so that one's it's a high angle, uh, it's a high angle smoother. So it's bedded at at sixty degrees. So it's it's uh, really for figured wood and really sort of light work. Um, mm-hmm. But what that means is, if you're using a hawk iron, which is what I use for all my planes, um, it sticks up pretty high <laughs> out yeah. of the body. Um, you know, and I and I buy the longer. Hawk irons, you can get them short and long, and I, I, I like the longer one because, of course, it's going to last a lot longer. Um, so 
it sticks pretty high up out of the plane. So if you don't put something back there, what ends up happening is when you use it, your the sort of the webbing between your thumb and your pointer finger end up kind of slipping in behind the iron. And I don't generally find that terribly comfortable with those wooden mm. planes. So I tend to put a little ramp. Uh, and and I have it on my low angle, lower angle smoother as well. Um, okay. Just a little palm ramp. It sort of sits it right in right in the you know the the sort of inside part of your palm uh, makes it sort of a more comfortable tool. But that's the joy of those Krenov smoothers is you know shaping them and, and getting familiar with them. Uh, it, it you know you get to sort of mature with your tool. And every once in a while you take one of the bandsaw when you get a blister doing something for six hours. You just walk <laughs> over and and cut a corner off or or something like that. And, and so I still you're not it. you're not cutting in half out of frustration. You're shaping it to no, fit your right, hand more right, better and perform right, better. Right. If it real if something really goes wrong, then you can then you get to go saw it in half. But uh, but no, <laughs> no. Generally, generally, it's just uh, you know, and 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 over time, you know, or even on specific operations, like if I end up doing a lot of you know shooting with this plane for whatever reason, like I I have some really tricky veneer. Um, I can, you know, go and and after shooting with it for a while, say, you know, well, maybe this will affect the smoothing. But if I'm going to do enough shooting, let me cut this corner off here because that'll make it a lot easier to use, uh, you know, as a shooting plane rather than as a uh, as a smoother. So so you get that kind of little customizable uh, personal fit to each one of those tools. Hmm. Not bad. So uh, next question: Who has influenced you the most in your, I guess, woodworking tool making? What you do day to day? Yeah, and that's—I mean—that's always a hard question to answer because it's because uh, there's lots of people. Uh, I mean, certainly, mm-hmm. certainly, my father and growing up, uh, and actually, my mother, my father, and, and sort of my family, where uh, none of them are professionally uh, craftspeople. But uh, my mother, my mom's a weaver. She's actually in a weaver's oh. master class now—a six-year master class, which is a thing. Um, but uh, my father wow. was—you know—I grew up. Doing woodworking with my dad. My sister's a brilliant writer, and the other is a brilliant artist. So, um, so I grew up. I grew up around creative people. Uh, so that was certainly a big influence on my day to day work. Um, and then, in terms of people, so those are people in my in my more personal life. Uh, you know, outside the personal life, people I don't necessarily know. Obviously, uh, Jim Krenov would have been a big uh, influence on my work. Uh, I never met him, but. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, we had his books in my house growing up and, uh, the, the school that he founded, uh, you know, pretty profoundly changed my, my life in terms of my craft, but also my, you know, aesthetics, my practice, you know, what I was looking for. Um, so, and then, and along with Jim, uh, people like Laura Mays, who's the director of the program now, uh, David Welter, who is the longtime sort of facilitator of the program. Uh, and the instructors, and we were talking about Isla earlier, um, and Jim Budlong mm. and uh, Greg Smith—all you know, huge influences on my work. I would say. In your woodworking, what has been your biggest stumbling block, and how have you overcome it? Um. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a couple answers there. Stumbling. It really, for me, it's what you know. What do you consider a stumbling block? I think a big one for most people is how do I make money doing this? Um, and for me, that you know, that stumbling block. I sort of. I. I mean, I literally like tripped into tool making. Um. So. So in some ways, I would say that the stumbling block, you know, is is okay. Now I know I want to do this. 
uh, I better figure out how to do this. And there was definitely some time there where I, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do that. Um, on a project-to-project basis, I mean, obsessing over over details or, or, or perfection, I think a lot of people – this is a good stumbling block. A lot of people come from College of the Redwoods. You know, you spend nine months there to make two or three pieces. You know, many make okay. two, some make three. So, so with that kind of timeline and that level of precision, when you leave there, you've done your best work. Um, and going out into the world and saying, okay, well, now I want to do that again. Uh, where do I, you know, where am I going to set up a shop? How am I going to get to that level of work again? That's a big stunt. That was a big, you know, uh, roadblock for me. How is mm-hmm. I, how am I going to get you know a setup like that? I'm not going to get a Yates snowflake bandsaw. I'm not going to get an Oliver bandsaw. I'm not going to get an Agazani resaw bandsaw. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get a, a beautiful Inca planer with a helical head. You know, so so getting getting the setup, getting back to a place where, and not just the tools, but the time uh, and the energy to get back doing your your best work. That can be a real challenge, I think. Um, and I'm and I'm still sort of fighting fighting to get back to that sort of level of work. Excellent. And uh, so, how has the internet influenced your work? Um, well, I mean, so I I grew up. I am very much of the internet age. I'll date myself and say I was born in 1990. Oh so, my god! Oh my so god. yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Youngest sorry to, uh, youngest guest yet. Am I correct in that? Oh wait. Cremona might have you. I don't know. You guys are pretty. Got to be pretty close. Uh, yeah. Some. I know. I think we're same. Same generation, certainly. Yes. Um. But uh. Yeah. So I mean. So I really. I mean. I <laughs> truly grew up with the internet. Um. And you know. And we've been talking about you know my rulers and these you know niche pursuits of mine. That I learned all that stuff on the internet. So from a design creative standpoint, it's an amazing tool, and we are all walking around with you know, the collective knowledge of mankind in our pockets. So that's pretty, pretty profound. Um, and then of course, you know, things like social media, uh, you know, using Instagram has been incredible, uh, both as an introduction to an amazing community of tool makers and tool users. Um, but also as a place to, you know, share, share my work on a daily basis. Uh, even like today I posted a video of uh i was i we were opening up chestnuts that i'd found on the side of the road and i said wow cool you know you don't see a lot of chestnut trees and of course it wasn't it was a horse chestnut or a buckeye i was to say that looked remarkably like a buckeye i almost commented (laughs) on it it was a buckeye so yeah so you know and i i I mean i don't i don't know that (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't alive in the beginning of the 20th century when we actually had chestnuts on every so so in just in that way it's like it's awesome i get an immediate sort of callback feedback from people uh so that one's more of like a idiot it's a buckeye but uh (laughs) you know all the time i post hey does anyone you know i bought this tool because it was cool uh up at liberty tools what's this crazy thing does anyone know what this is uh or you know i gotta you know i gotta find some way of clamping this weird joint does anyone have an idea of what kind of call or what kind of you know, how, how would you go about doing this? So I, I, I love it for that reason. Um, that sort of constant open discussion that we've got going on Instagram. And, and I know other people find it on Twitter and find it on, uh, you know, Facebook or the forums um, or places like this podcast. So, so uh, it, it's amazing. The way, the way it builds communities is, is pretty outstanding. 
It, it absolutely is. Uh, any listener will will tell that's that's one of my, my that is absolutely my favorite part is the fact that it connects you with so many other people who who share the passion of the craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I and you know I, we would always hear about uh, back when I was working for Joel, I would always hear about the fog about the Fest Tool Owners Group, mm-hmm. and I was kind of like, oh, what you know what these people still using forums, you know, is that still a thing? <laughs> But then I hear, you know, I was talking with Tico the other day, Tico Vote, mm-hmm. um, and he was saying, oh, yeah, you know, we had this great community over on, you know, it was like some random corner of the internet that, that you know, some random forum for some specialty. But he was saying, you know, oh, yeah, I used to talk with him, you know, once a week or so, correspond about what we had on the bench, you know, and this is, you know, this it's not what people expect some of these forums to be or the internet to be used for, but... In the end, it can be a really amazing way of, you know, keeping in touch with people. That's really, it's really, really a, an amazing resource. Well, speaking of, where can people find out more about you on the internet? Yeah. Uh, my website is burn-heart.com. And that's B-U-R-N-H-E-A-R-T, like a, like a heart in flames. Um, and, uh, and that's got, you know, my, my work, my design work, my tools, my furniture, um, and then I'm, I'm over on Instagram as well, uh, at Bernhardt made. And that's all one word. Um, because someone somewhere has Bernhardt and they won't oh. give it back. Don't you hate that? <laughs> they, Squatters. Yeah, they have no followers. They have no posts. They're just sitting there with my name. So, so I, I've, I've let them have it. Someday Bernhardt they'll release it. it. You need to snatch it up. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I check. Don't oh, worry. I'll get it. <laughs> Excellent. It was excellent speaking with you, Brendan. Thank you. Yeah, it was nice talking with you guys too. It, it was a it was a hoot. It was a hoot. Uh, so, <laughs> Sean, where can uh, people find out about you? I am uh, at the Corner Workshop. Uh, you know, my, it's my blog, and um, at, I think on all social medias besides Facebook, I'm Sean W seventy eight. That's Instagram, Twitter, uh, Untapped, probably all those. How about you? I am at uh, Penultimate Woodshop on on Instagram. <laughs> I am uh, Penultimate Woodshop on the Twitters. And um, no, excuse me. I'm not Penultimate Woodshop on the mm-hmm. Twitters. I'm Penultimate Woodshop on the web. You go to penultimatewoodshop.com and you will find my blog. And uh, I'm going to, instead of stumble through all the other social media sites I'm on, I want to direct anyone who's made it this far to uh, our new website, which is currently at the Modern Woodworkers. Dot com, uh, the Modern Woodworkers Association dot com. Um, it is uh, it is far from fleshed out, but hopefully people will enjoy it. And any feedback I'd appreciate. Uh, we're working to make it a little bit better, a little bit easier for us, and uh, just an all around more enjoyable experience. So you can go to the Modern Woodworkers Association dot com, and that's where you'll find me online these days. So thank you very much for listening, and. Um, Go make something in the shop. Stop. Turn this off. Put on some music you don't have to listen to and intellectually consider and make something.